The views and opinions expressed on Smack My Pitch Up are those of the panelists and not those of GUI Network, their sponsors, or any of the properties mentioned. Listener discretion is advised. This podcast is rated R for violence, language, and nudity. Well, it's a podcast, so you won't see the nudity. I just do it to make the guest uncomfortable. In a world gone mad with unnecessary reboots, remakes, and sequels, only one podcast has the guts to make it even worse. This is Smack My Pitch Up. Hello, geeks, and welcome to another episode of Smack My Pitch Up, the podcast that reboots, remakes, reimagines, sequels, cycles, mashes up, and adapts some of your favorite and least favorite film, TV, book properties. And tonight we've got a film that I want to disclaimer right out the gate that we are not saying this should ever be rebooted, remade, or reimagined. Damn right. This is a legendary film. Uh, a lot of people, it's their favorite film of all time. For most people that I know, at least, it's in their top three of favorite Westerns ever. Absolutely. And uh, so just our disclaimer at the beginning is this is just simply a uh, a brain exercise on what it would look like if somebody decided to reboot or remake or reimagine this film. We are not endorsing that whatsoever. Right. This is hallowed ground we are treading on. There's a certain discomfort that comes from episodes like this where we uh, <laughs> talk about films or TV shows that should just be left well enough alone. They, they're perfect in the way they are. Yes. But- Part of the fun of that, though, is to see <laughs> just what it might look like otherwise. Right. I mean, that's what we do with Taxi Driver, which you should never fuck with also. No, never. And th <laughs> that is the same exact way that we feel about the 1993 Western classic, not even cult classic, full on amazing classic, Tombstone. Yes. If you are unfamiliar with Tombstone, why? <laughs> it's been around since 1993. It is beloved and has some of the most brilliant performances that the actors involved have ever delivered, especially one Doc Holliday played by Val Kilmer. It's my personal oh my favorite role that he's ever done. Yes. This is my favorite American Western ever. Yeah. And for good reason. So if you haven't seen this movie yet, legit, stop the episode, watch the movie, and then, then listen. Definitely. And I'm sure you can find it pretty easily on streaming sites if, uh, if you don't have it, a friend probably does. It's, it's one of those movies. It's probably, it's been around so long, it's probably in like the bargain bin at Walmart. Yeah. You know what I mean? On DVD or something. You can find this movie. Or I was running into, uh, Amy and I were looking to watch Twister the other night. Yeah. Just had a weird want to watch Twister. Fun movie. Was not on any streaming sites. Really? And so we looked around and it was available on Amazon and stuff, but we wanted it that day. Found it at Second and Charles for like five bucks. And I'm sure there's a million copies of Tombstone at Second and Charles if you have one near you. Absolutely. Any, any used movie store is going to have a copy of Tombstone. Absolutely. For cheap. So Go get it. Yes, definitely. And and you will rewatch it, most likely. It's just one of those movies. So here to help me wax poetic, my <laughs> huckleberry on this, uh, on this episode <laughs> about Tombstone is the showrunner for Beautiful Disasters. Regular on the Geeks on the Influence podcast, and uh, my guest tonight, Herr Grutz. 
Glad to be here, man. Absolutely. This is going to be fun. We have talked so much just in our friendship about this movie. We've watched it together. Oh, yeah. Talked endlessly about this movie. We can quote most of this movie. (laughs) Yeah, we can. Between the two of us, we could probably quote 50% of the dialogue. Yeah, I think, and that's not even really exaggerating. I think we very much could. Not a bit. Like, all the characters have iconic lines. All of them. There are those classic scenes, too, where it's like three or four minutes of dialogue that I could probably nail down the entire scene. Yeah. No, easily. Easily. When when uh, Wyatt and Doc see the, each other for the first time in Tombstone, that oh, yeah. whole scene is brilliant. And you've got uh, Billy Bob Thornton showing up ready for revenge and then realizes who everybody is and is just like shooed away. You may go now. <laughs> I'm sorry. I forgot you were there. <laughs> yeah. You may go. <laughs> Leave the shotgun. Even like the saddest scenes, like the whole s- sequence between Bill Paxton's character, Morgan, when he's dying. Oh my God, I know all of it. And and now that Bill Paxton has sadly passed away, it it's so much heavier now. Oh, when he's like, you know what they say about seeing a light when you die? It ain't true. It ain't true. I don't see shit. <laughs> oh, dude. I'm s- yeah, that gets oh. me. Now it's it's even more of like a emotional moment. It really is. And everybody in this movie is delivering 100% in their roles and chewing yes. every bit of scenery there is. Yeah, but it's fine. It's absolutely fine. It's a Western. That's kind of the whole point is it's right. supposed to be this over the top, bigger than life kind of thing. And that's exactly what Tombstone is. It doesn't try to bring in realism. Or uh, Now, the funny thing about that, though, is that the storyline in Tombstone, though not 100% accurate, is way more accurate than uh, a lot of other Westerns are with, from their source material. A lot of this happened the way that they're showing it. Right. An example is the uh, river scene where Wyatt goes out into the water and is shooting and going, no, that's recounted as having happened exactly that way beat for beat. Right. That happened. <laughs> now, you know, obviously, like, people recounting stories, sure, it might yeah. be a little, you know, dramatic, but it's still iconic. Yeah. And if that's how they said it happened, fuck yeah, dude, put it in the movie, because it was awesome. And also, there's no one giving a different version of it. You know, this is the version, you know, that's all history is, is just the version that is left, you know, right. after something happened, so... That's it's now history that that's how things went down. The gunfight yeah. at the OK Corral. I've seen documentaries about how that went down, and there are some arguments as to whether or not it was more of a turkey shoot situation or uh, if it was an actual like showdown. Right. So right. that that's all up for debate. But Tombstone really did a good job of looking at all the material and trying to be as accurate as they can while still delivering cinema. You know, yeah. you gotta you gotta do some twists and turns there. Famously, like uh, I've read that the actual director, who I forget his name, uh, Cosmatos, I think something. Uh, actually, yeah, I think it was uh, Panos Cosmatos' yes. father who directed it, and he he wrote the script for Glory, I believe. Yeah, and this was supposed to be his directorial debut as Tombstone, I think. And he was having problems, and Kurt Russell actually took up the reins. Mm-hmm. And did a lot of help. He was basically an AD, if not more of a director. Well, that didn't come out until 2015 because I was actually looking into that before recording. Yeah. The basic gist is he was having trouble. They had just shot Charlton Heston scenes and that was it. And they were already over on the on the number of days Whoops. on the shoot. 
and he was struggling <laughs> and Kurt Russell's like, let's get a second unit. I'll take care of a lot of the shots and everything. You have the credit for directing. Yep. And uh, I will keep this under my hat. Uh, as, as long as you're alive, that's just going to be credit to you. And 2015, it was like 13 years after the director died right. is when he came out on some Western page because Kurt Russell's actually deeply involved in like Western reenactment communities and stuff. Like he, he lives this shit. Yeah. Hell yeah. And uh, yeah, he, he opened wide up open about it that, yeah, he was really responsible for a lot of the directing in this film. And then Val Kilmer on a separate interview backed up his claim yeah. and said that this film is entirely uh, because of Kurt Russell, the way that it is. So, yeah. and I'm fine with it. Yeah. Like Kurt Russell was never a dick about it. No, no, he actually you know? was really cool cu- cucumber about it that he waited 13 years after the, the yeah, director yeah. died before kind of opening up about it. It's surprising to see humility like that out of someone <laughs> yeah. in Hollywood. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> well, Kurt Russell's never really been a Hollywood guy. Right. So much. But uh, so, yeah, this is a film that we're going <laughs> to have some struggles trying to figure out exactly how to do this. Right. Um, basically, we'll go over kind of our overview, what we would change about the original plot. We both have uh, two versions. Yes. Both of us have a version we think might be the best way to go for a reboot, remake, reimagining. And then we have just kind of a, a remix version or a version that we think would be kind of just a fun mental exercise. What would it look like if this was directed by this person or yep. this cast of characters, this tone? And uh, so for the plot overview, are you kind of sticking primarily to the to the script or are you adding any tonally different changes to it? Or um. Not super, uh, not as far as the actual plot line. The plot line in both my versions is pretty much the same. Um, you know, my kind of serious take is going to be like a remake remake style of a Western. Okay. However, uh, my other take is a reimagining, yep. um, which will take it out of that era into a different era. Oh, but okay. But both... Both ways, you know, I have the same kind of cast of characters in the sense that, you know, we have this, you know, lawman who has retired, his family comes in, comes into a new place, has struggles, there are villains, etc. But uh, both are kind of holding to the Tombstone storyline. Okay. Yeah. I'm uh, sticking relatively close to the script myself as well. Tonally, there's a slight shift. For my uh, serious version, for the for the remix version, very extreme shift right. in the in the tone. Uh, <laughs> but the serious version, the version I think could work best. Yeah, I really wanted to kind of incorporate the fact that Wyatt and company weren't the Captain Americas of their time. They weren't these like <laughs> you know these good moral men that like stood by. Wyatt had been arrested before. He um he had he met. Doc on the gambling circuit. He was a professional gambler at times. Nice. Uh, he was caught like uh, cattle rustling and and or like cattle theft or horse theft or something that he was in jail for before this. I mean, he was on both sides of the law at different points in his life. And they came to Tombstone in, in the actual reality to start building carriages. And they just didn't have enough connections to really get it going. So we fell back on what he was used to, which is being an enforcer, being, you know, being involved in like casinos and gambling and right, right, right. And, uh, they weren't exactly the, 
situation that happened at the uh what was it the the chinaman i think or what was the name of this sh- the, the oriental the oriental sorry yeah, the, <laughs> I, it's not the preferred nomenclature yeah but it's better than chinaman uh, yeah. <laughs> the oriental um that happened almost beat for beat according to recounts that he straight up like grabbed the dude by his ear and shucked him out the door <laughs> so he, oh billy bob yeah billy oh billy in bob. the original yes one of his earlier earliest roles yeah absolutely yeah. to the point when i was showing the film to amy she was like, that's not Billy Bob until we looked it up. And then she was like, okay, no. Oh, I see it now because he's so young. He was young. Grizzled. He was a little bit, he was a little bit bigger too. Pudgier, yeah. Yeah. He didn't, he lost a lot of weight later in his career, but yeah. But so I definitely wanted it to be the tone of it is the, the Earp family coming in is that they're the issue with the Cowboys isn't so much is that they're breaking the law. And we are former lawmen, so we have to uphold the law. It's more control of the town. It's kind of like who's who's the person making the money off these plebs in the town. It's nice. more of the tone. With them having a moral high ground to a degree over the cowboys, but not to a point where it's just this black and white that's done in the original tombstone. I want a little bit more gray area. No, I feel you. Okay. And uh, additionally, I want to downplay the romance a bit. I feel like that there were parts that made that a little bit clunky. Like it felt... Like the movie was lying to me a little bit about how like he was not cheating on his wife. There was just this like unspoken attraction and she was on opium. So it's fine. And, you know, it just seemed kind of <laughs> glazing over the whole thing. Right. Um, there's going to be notes of that because that this is stuff that happened to a degree. And but I want that to be kind of downplayed. That's not nearly as important to the storyline. So. OK. And uh, but besides that, it's it's pretty much the beats of the story. Because yeah, a lot yeah. of that is how it went down. Maybe not in the exact order that it went down, but yeah. Like, okay, Corral, um, or when Curly was uh, arrested for shooting at the moon and, and killing the sheriff, <laughs> they were already uh, deputized at that point. Right. So this, that wasn't the thing that brought them into being deputized. It's little things like that. Right. But I'm not as concerned about that as far as just more kind of nailing down this gray area tone to my version. Okay. I like it. So with uh, with our plots involved or figured out, we're going into who exactly we're going to get to direct our uh, our yes. remake or uh, reboot. Um, I guess remake for me. And uh, who's your director for your serious version? So for my serious remake, uh, I went with Ben Wheatley, uh, who has directed uh, Free Fire. Okay. High Rise. Yeah. A Field in England, which was fucking bananas, awesome, and a movie called Kill List. Um, he is uh, from Britain, and he's one of the auteurs right now, definitely to be watching. Okay. Um, High Rise, one of my favorite movies that came out in the last five years. Um, Free Fire was fun. It was just a fun, like... Sort of. That's one where it's basically a gunfight inside a warehouse with lots of guns. Yeah, yeah. The, okay. It's like a it's like a illegal gun buy goes wrong, and it's just a lot of fun. Um, but he has a great eye for cinema, cinematography, and uh, you know his his movies are are beautifully like scripted. Yeah. He's very involved. I think he's an excellent director. Excellent. So you're definitely going more of an artistic approach to this uh, version of Tombstone. Both of my versions have kind of uh, newer auteur directors. A a stylized approach. Yeah. But uh, I think he would bring a a great um, sort of essence to uh, a remake 
Western style version of this movie. Okay. You know? And the Western style, like, that's really what I was bandying about with the director for my version is I wanted it to be something that felt gritty. You know, somebody yeah. that could really, you could get the, like, texture of the film when yep. watching it. And uh, the first person I thought of, though I've used him recently, but it just wasn't quite the right tone, was John Hillcoat, who did oh, yeah. Proposition and Lawless and, you know, it, 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 The Road. And But it was just a little bit too dismal, of the approach. Yeah. I, I want this to be more fun. I mean, I, I want it to hit those dark notes for sure. Right. But I, I want it to also be fun. <laughs> yeah, no, no. It, you know, John Hillcoat's version of Tombstone would end up like Unforgiven. Yeah, exactly. It would just be super sad and just like y- you would just die inside. So I started looking <laughs> around at directors that had done Westerns before or stuff that isn't a Western necessarily, but has kind of that note. And then it clicked. There's a director that has worked in the superhero world, mm-hmm. but has also directed a Western as well. One of the best remakes of a Western that I've seen directed the remake of 310 to Yuma and then went on to direct the Wolverine, Logan, Walk the Line, and most recently Ford versus Ferrari. James Mangold. Yeah, dude. No, He's he's got the the list of movies that really proves that he'd be able to do something with it. Logan was soulful, had so much like heart behind it, and it was gritty, and it was... If it wasn't a Western, it felt like one almost. I love Logan. Yeah. Like it, it, it made my wife cry and she does not really get into comic book movies Yeah, at all. But like old grizzled, like, you know, Wolverine, Patrick Stewart. Yeah. Oh yeah. No, Patrick Stewart, like uh, Xavier losing his mind. Oh man. Like you know, dementia. Oh, dude, she was totally into it. When with that, you have, let's say, the stronger character that is taking care of the, like, formerly incredibly powerful character that's dying, like Doc Holliday. You know, you've got, um, and then 310 to Yuma, incredibly fun Western. Yeah. has some real stakes to it. There's there's tension. There's excitement. There's good action sequences that are shot well. That story was written by Elmore Leonard. Yeah. Yeah, it's great. And then you've got, of course, Walk the Line, where you got it's basically just dialogue driven and just and actor driven in that yep. movie. And then Ford versus Ferrari, kind of the same deal. The Wolverine is straight up a samurai film. So this dude has the the balls to do this film as best as one possibly could. I agree. Yeah, I agree. That's a good choice. So uh, so those are our directors going in um, now. The I want to go with some of the side characters first before we get into the uh, the Erps and the Clayton clan a little yeah. bit. So. There's Ike, uh, or Ike, uh, was it Clayton or Clanton? Ike Clanton, I think. Clanton, okay. Ike Clanton, who was uh, played by the main villain in Don't Breathe. <laughs> he, he was also- Oh my God, it was. It's the same actor. Holy shit. Yes. I totally didn't- I didn't until I was putting this that together. Yeah, and that he plays a badass in just about all of his roles, and as Ike, he's this like- like sniveling, like shitty dude that when the real shit goes down, he hides. <laughs> yeah, no, he's he he talks big when he has backup. Yeah, and as soon as not, I don't have a gun. Throws away his fucking red sash later. It's yep. like, dude, you are such a bitch. Yep. So that's a really fun character to cast. I don't know if you got him on your list or not. I didn't. Okay. I, because there's so many characters, I had to drop a lot of people that I wanted to cast. I had to hit the main ones, but. Ike and mine, it's such a 
fun character to play with. It's like the the comedic relief, the R two D two C three PO character of Tombstone. <laughs> <laughs> so okay, yeah, yeah. So I wanted I to you. definitely have him in, and uh, I wanted to go with an actor that was familiar with the director, um, but also could definitely play a Western character. He was in Three Ten to Yuma. He was an alpha dog. He was the messenger guy in Thirty Days of Night. Uh, okay. Ben Foster. Oh, he's good. He's a very good actor, and he's like young enough that you can kind of play the whole like younger, sniveling, you know, getting back up by the real yeah. cowboys kind of role. He's intense too, and I wanted that intense too. Yeah, he he he's an intense actor. Yeah, yeah. No, so, I I like him. Yeah, Ben Foster's and, awesome, and I haven't seen him in enough lately, and I think this is a really good role for him. I yeah, think it would yeah. be a lot of fun sure. to see what yeah. he could do with the part. So uh, some of the smaller characters, I was casting the two brothers of White Earp. Sure. The other two Earps. I did do Josephine Marcus, who was the love interest. I was debating about that, and I did not. That was so. the one I did. Uh, outside of that, everyone's major. You know, yep. I have, I, okay. you know, I got Wyatt, Curly Bill, yep. Doc Holliday, Johnny Ringo. Johnny Ringo. Yep. Okay. So mine is Ike, yours is Josephine. Yeah. So who do you have for your Josephine? All right. For Josephine in my... Actual Western remake by Ben Wheatley. I cast Scarlett Johansson. Okay. Who is awesome. And she has been crushing it lately. I mean, she has a couple nominations right now going on. I think so. You know, uh, she's outstanding. She is really coming to her own as an actress. Um, She's done great things over the years. I mean, under the skin as an alien. Oh, yeah. Holy fuck. But she can bring the drama, too. I have not seen Marriage Story yet, but I really want to. It's one of those, I really want to see that movie, but it's apparently so heavy that I want to be in the right mood for it. Absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. It's like a Todd Salance movie or something. You know, it's <laughs> yeah, like, it's just like so heavy. It's like, oh. But I cast her, you know, obviously we know everything she's ever been in. Yep. But she has that charisma that she could be in the sense of, tombstone like that dramatic person that came into the town sure. to entertain uh she can definitely like hold that and she's gorgeous yeah and she is definitely someone that would be fought over you know fought <laughs> over capture someone's eye sure like whoa who's that 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 girl is amazing yeah my wife who is a opium addict <laughs> Maybe not so much, you know, doing it for me right now. Whoa. <laughs> but I, I just thought she was natural for that. She's definitely done like, you know, kind of cheesy movies here and there. But I mean, she was in a Woody Allen flick. True. Wasn't that good? No. It was wasn't, wasn't one of the uh, the better ones. But, uh, you know, yeah, she holds it down. Yeah. And she has a good range, which I really appreciate. Speaking of range, um, every character that we're going to talk about from here on out needs to be done by an actor with range. I mean, these are oh yeah, incredibly like individual <laughs> characters, you know, fully fleshed out. This is why casting this for this episode was so difficult. Yes. It really was. It was intensely difficult. It was. <laughs> I struggled. <laughs> I definitely struggled. Um, the Johnny Ringo is the first one that I want to go with here. Okay, let's do it. Intense, dark character. I want somebody that, you know, you could see the seething rage kind of building underneath yes. them. And uh, somebody that was able to really translate that relatively well in pretty much every role that he's ever done. 
<laughs> and uh, has worked with uh, Mangold on Ford versus Ferrari as well as a, as a side character. As he played uh, one of the Ford execs, I believe, in uh, Ford for Ferrari is uh, John Barenthal. Oh as, yeah, as Johnny Ringo. Oh he, yeah, he just he plays hothead so well. Oh no, he definitely could. Yeah, yeah, no, yes, he is able to give that like heavy frontal brow pro magnum like burning rage eyeballing oh yeah (laughs) really well no no i agree yeah that's a good one uh who do you got for your ringo uh my serious ringo is ryan gosling okay i i was trying to find a place for him in mine casting as well Nice. Because he's such a diverse actor. He, he really can play is. all over the place. And, you know, he has had a lot of roles recently that have been less wordy, you know, where he's more brooding and quiet. Yeah. But um, he can bring the intensity so hardcore when well, he needs to. One that I thought I was going to hate the movie, and it's mainly because just his look in the movie is terrible, but A Place Beyond the Pines. Mm-hmm was a great film. I very much enjoyed it, and he does play a much more intense character in that. Absolutely. I mean, his character in Drive mm-hmm. maybe had about as many lines as Kurt Russell in Soldier, you know? <laughs> wow. He, he didn't have many lines, but when the intensity came out, it was hardcore. But we also know that he can bring it when he needs to. Yeah. And he can be verbose when he needs to. And... The notion, like the early scene in Tombstone where Johnny Ringo, you know, uh, is talking about, uh, I, I guess, one of the Hispanic members of, of, of the Cowboys mistranslates into English some stuff from Spanish. And he's like, man. Oh, right. Yeah. yeah your Spanish is worse than your English, you know? <laughs> and And he goes straight into you know, revelations and he, mm-hmm. he's an educated man. And that's, yeah. that's one of the things that he and uh, Doc Holliday get into. Yep. Oh, you're an educated man. They speak Latin. Now I know I hate him. Now I know I hate him. <laughs> and, you know, someone that I think that could really do that. Yeah. Ryan Gosling. Okay. I, I see th- that. I think they can, you know, that would be a really good interaction. He's a good enough actor. I'm sure he's capable of it, but you don't see him as like a villain character very often. So, or if he plays a bad guy, quote unquote, he's a like lovable bad guy or you understand his yeah yeah he's kind of like a yeah in 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 uh only god forgives or yeah yeah and drive you know he's kind of like the anti-hero sort of dude who's intense and also uh capable of great violence yeah yeah no he's he's fantastic okay i I think he could do it i dig that next up let's keep with the villains here we've got uh curly bill brosios brosios i'm just curly bill curly bill yeah yeah brilliant original portrayal oh powers booth powers booth knocked it out of the fucking park i'm pretty sure that's why he got cast in deadwood yeah i I love that there are uh two people that were (laughs) cast from tombstone into deadwood powers booth and then uh maddie the wife oh yeah yeah um ended up being in deadwood as well yes so um but yeah powers booth originally doing curly bill who do you have to play your curly bill uh i have walton goggins I, I knew he was going to show up on both of ours somewhere. <laughs> there was no doubt in my mind. Yep. No, he is so over the top, so charismatic. And that's what the character, what, how, how he was portrayed in 1993 Tombstone. Yeah. I, I couldn't think of anybody better. Uh, you know, he did a great job in um, 
uh, what is it? Uh, Hateful Eight. Mm-hmm. Hateful Eight, like his role there. But everything he does, he is he steals every scene. Yeah, he does, and he's so much fun. And that's how Curly Bill was per- portrayed by Powers Booth. You know, he was over the top. He was funny. He was sarcastic. He was everything. And Walton Goggins, he's got it. I I knew for certain I would have put money on it that we would both have uh, Walton Goggins somewhere on our casting list. Yep. If not on both versions. <laughs> but yep. Uh, Walton Goggins, brilliant. And pretty much you plug him in anywhere and he's going to find a way to make it just a fantastic oh, yeah. portrayal. So for Curly Bill, I wanted somebody that seems kind of bigger than life that just oozes that, that like I'm in charge kind of charisma but also has a little bit of like a wink at the same time, like the big burly beast of a man that also kind of, you know, you is likable for being such a villainous character, which <laughs> it powers booth knocked out of the park. You, he was likable as this oh, yeah. terrible fucking person and a person that portrayed that very well in uh, a number of his roles, like sons of anarchy, as well as many others is uh, one Ron Perlman. Oh yeah. As curly bill. He could do it. As just like an age, age, like slightly older version of the character, obviously, but just as this old cowboy that, you know, it, there are lines that allow you to play that character older. Like the, you know, I'm worried about this outfit once you take over, uh, Johnny, you know, when, yeah, yeah, because he's such a hothead, you know, that he's this just, he's been running this show for a while. And, uh, no, I feel you. Yeah. Ron Perlman, he could do it. And he's a big, imposing person. So that would be fun to play. Uh, play him in that role. Next up, don't keep the brothers together. The next one is the, whew, the really tough call, the Doc Holiday. Whoa, this yeah, this was definitely one of the harder castings to do. It uh, was this and Wyatt. I'd say were the ones that I struggled with the most. Uh, yeah, I struggled with those, and I also struggled with um, uh, Virgil because, Virgil. god damn, fucking. Sam Elliott. Uh, it's, it's Sam Elliott. You can't. It's so hard to cast <laughs> anyone. Anyone besides him. He is so iconic in everything he does. Like he's a meme everywhere on the internet because of it. Have you seen the uh, the man who killed Hitler and then Sasquatch yet? Oh yeah. Uh, that movie hits so many different tones at different parts. There's one scene, and I know exactly. You'll know exactly what scene I'm talking about. That is borderline Oscar worthy. His delivery of it. Oh yeah. That he's telling a story about his time in the war and it's like it's intense and it's soulful and like he is bringing every ounce of acting that he has to that scene and then there's some wackadoo fucking like slapsticky shit in that movie too. yes there is it's just wild i love that movie so much it's so good it's so good so definitely check out that movie or yeah. literally anything besides <laughs> ghost rider and uh jonah hex <laughs> and then you'll be good right to go. right but yeah, we're talking about Doc, right? Yep. You want Doc to do Holiday. Do go for it. Okay. I actually went with Tom Hiddleston. Tom Hiddleston. Okay. Yes. Um, I mean, obviously, you know, it, his range with Loki and the MCU, so fun. But he's a very talented actor. Also, uh, being that I chose Ben Wheatley as my director for this, his role in High Rise. Yeah. Was off the chain. Okay. Um, he can bring the drama. He can bring the funny. He he can be lighthearted. He can be sarcastic. 
he has such a range. He's a very talented actor, and I think he would do justice to the Doc Holliday role. Okay. He would play that a little darker, too, I think, than he Val could. Kilmer. He, yeah. he definitely could, but also he can do an American accent. Yeah, which is helpful. <laughs> you know, generally, it doesn't go the other way around. You know, if like an American needed to do a British accent, tougher. Well, he played Hank Sr. Uh, in the biopic, and though the singing was not the best in that movie... Uh, his accent, his southern accent, wasn't wasn't too shabby. Yeah, I, I'm I'm sure my wife would disagree, but <laughs> yes. you know we haven't seen that yet. <laughs> okay, fair <laughs> enough. Uh, for mine, Doc Holliday, you want somebody that has a kind of devil may care, nothing to lose attitude, uh, somebody that is able to deliver these brilliant lines and do it with like a smirk on his face and totally just bought in to this role. You know yeah. that that is straight facing or just like daring death to try to step to him this entire movie. And this is where I put Walton Goggins is, hey. uh, as doc holiday. I feel you. He, he, that's, he, he could do, do it. A number of these different roles in this film. No, he could definitely do doc yeah. holiday. He would go so over the top and it would be so, I would just gush at every scene. So much fun to watch him yeah. do his thing as doc holiday. Yes. So yeah, yes. I, I think, um, that that's where I decided to put him. We've already talked about Walton Goggins, so we don't have to get too much deeper into that. He's able to be slimy and uh, and shitty, but also it's very very charismatic at the same time. Oh yeah, yeah. Which is what you need for a Doc Holiday character, somebody that is just kind of a piece of shit, but so lovable that he gets away with it. Oh, absolutely. Yeah. But still has style and class somehow at the same time. Yeah. It's weird. I'm just thinking of his scene where he's been playing poker for like three days straight and he's got his like buxom bride that's like just plying him with booze and uh, just seeing Walton Goggins with like a strand of hair hung over his face and just kind of like leaning forward and kind of wobbling back and forth just like well beyond where he should be up <laughs> <laughs> and just doing his thing as Walton Goggins and it would be brilliant. Absolutely, Absolutely brilliant. He would bring every note of like humor to that scene. Playing the piano. Yeah. Frederick fucking, fucking. Chopin <laughs> in that Tennessee accent. <laughs> oh. So yeah, Doc Holliday. Oh, funny note that I learned today about uh, Val Kilmer and Batman and Doc Holliday and the weird connection they have to, to each other. Huh. The day that Val Kilmer was born... Um, the original uh, Batman, uh, or not the original Batman, but Adam West, played Doc Holliday in three separate Western series. Like, they, they all aired him playing Doc Holliday in three separate Western series the day that Val Kilmer was born. Holy shit. And, yeah. And then, uh, of course, Adam West went on to play the Batman, which also Val Kilmer went on to play. So Weird. Yeah, just a weird little connection thing that... It's kind of fun. What the fuck? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> All right, we're getting into the brothers now. So yes. first up is Morgan. Yes. Played by the uh, late, great Bill Paxton. Yes. Who I got to enjoy thoroughly watching Twister recently uh, for the first time in a while. Amazing. Such a fun movie. And, Absolutely. And Bill Paxton is so lovable. Oh, yeah, All yeah. of his roles, he's he can play this jackass like in Weird Science, and he's still kind of lovable, or just like the... Guy that's complaining all the time, like an aliens, <laughs> or or he can play like a bloodthirsty vampire in Near Dark. That's yes, true. Which is 
My favorite vampire movie. Fuck yes. <laughs> no, he's amazing. Rest rest in peace. Yes. Uh, so, uh, who did I have? Yeah. Uh, I had Robert Pattinson. Okay. And I'm turning around a little bit on Robert Pattinson. Some of his recent deliveries, I've not seen The Lighthouse yet, but I've heard he brings it hard in that role. He brings it hard. Yeah. I have in the rover was fantastic. He was he, great in that. Absolutely. Yeah, no. He has been killing it. Last five years, he has been delivering nothing but great freaking roles. Uh the movie that was, I think, nominated some stuff last year. Uh, what was the name? Good Times, maybe? Where anyway, he's in it. It's fucking fantastic. Uh he's been doing great things. And he really has Upped his game from being, you know, sort of like the sparkly vampire dude. <laughs> yeah. uh, I have no complaints about where he's been going. Nice. Same thing with Shia LaBeouf. You know, dude's been killing it. Yep. Whatever. And, and good. Outside of his private life stuff, Shia, you know, yeah, he, yeah. he's a good actor. He's no, a very good yeah, actor. He's killing it. Yeah. So, yeah. All the way. Robert Pattinson. All right. Um, I went for Morgan Earp. I wanted somebody that was like lovable and a little bit goofy, kind of bringing that Bill Paxton energy, uh, but also could be a badass when necessary. And he's worked with James Mangold on Walk the Line. I think he'd be a great choice for Morgan as uh, Joaquin Phoenix. Sure. Yes. Yes. The only thing that I was thinking with Joaquin, because he's such a brilliant actor, that there aren't a lot of lines for Morgan. No, but they're... They're important. They're important. And, you know, the only thing I, w- I would say is that, you know, the rest of the brothers would have to be older. Yeah. Because Joaquin, one of my favorite actors working right now, but he is now getting up in his. He is. And that's something 40s. I considered. Um, yeah. That the age between Morgan and Wyatt are going to be are going to be a little close. Yeah, I think actually the actor that plays White is younger, but could they could play, you know, Joaquin can play a little younger and and this other actor could play a little older. That's movie magic, baby. Yep. But yeah, I definitely consider that when it came to Virgil as well. No, no, absolutely. Uh, the drama, especially of the, like the death scene, he would kill it. Oh, absolutely. <laughs> Joaquin would kill it. He would kill it. Yes. So then we've got Virgil. Yes. Played by the legendary yes. Sam Elliott originally. This was probably the toughest thing to cast. This was tough. It, it was tough. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, I cast uh, John Hawks, who um, we all know from Deadwood. We all know from um, Winter's Bone. He was the friend of the main sheriff uh, character in Deadwood. Okay. John Hawks, excellent actor. Um, he is still kind of relegated to the indie kind of movie scene. Yeah. But he brings such amazing resonance and drama to his roles. Sure. And he's not a tall dude. He's not he doesn't have the stature of of uh Sam Elliott. Sure. But I can see him with a mustache. I can see him delivering the scenes with the intensity needed. That's why I chose him. Okay. I can't say if my choice was, I think it's a, a decent choice, mm-hmm. the choice I made. But again, this is one of those that when you're comparing it to Sam Elliott in a Western, I mean, this is like, you know, choosing not a fish to play a fish. You know, like yeah. Sam Elliott is a fish to water in Westerns. And yeah, finding anybody that has that level of like perfect fit 
is well, yeah, he's been in a million. Yeah, and it just he is that guy, you know. Yeah, and uh, so that was really difficult. But I went with an actor that has a lot of experience with James Mangold, so that they'd be able to really work on the nuances of that character together to really nail it down as best as possible. And a great actor in his own right has a relatively like intimidating stature about himself and, and a decent actor, uh, Hugh Jackman as oh, Virgil. Okay. And yeah. he's, he's getting up there in age to a point where he could definitely play the older brother. You know, yep. he's, he's in his, I think fifties now. Yeah. And, uh, so yeah, he could definitely be the old, old buzzard brother that, uh, that is getting <laughs> too old for this shit. Yeah. The Murtaugh the, of the family. I'm interested to see him play the amount of nuance that would be necessary for that character. Cause Virgil's not a talker, he, but there's so much that's done with just body language and movement in that role. No, they definitely utilize Sam Elliott perfectly yeah. in tombstone, which is uh, amazing. Because that's everything he needs to be. Yep. Like he can communicate so much with just a look, or a, or a ugh, or yep. a, a, you know just a a grunt, whatever it might be, or a, a teeth suck. I've I've had I've seen him deliver like just probably three paragraphs of language by sucking his teeth. Yeah. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> it's just he is that guy. So yeah, I think Hugh Jackman. Yeah, he's up to it. Yeah. Yeah. Then we've got. The main character, the Wyatt Earp, mm-hmm. pl- originally played by Kurt Russell, mm-hmm. that just killed the shit out of that role. Oh my God, yeah. So much fun. It, it reminded me why I was such a big Kurt Russell fan when I rewatched it recently, because it's just, he looks like he's having fun in the role. He looks like he's having fun, but it, it it's not to the point that it takes you out of the movie. No, not at all. No. No. Because even when he is happy... Or he is super distraught. You are in it. Yeah, you are so in it. I love. Yeah, Kurt Russell. I would love to meet him at a con. Oh and he'll man, he'll never be there. No, because and I'm so he sad. Want to deal with it? Probably. Yeah. But... No, he's doing his reenacting or whatever. Yeah. So uh, for Wyatt Earp, who is your actor to play Wyatt Earp? Uh, I actually picked Brad Pitt. Brad Pitt. Okay. For my series, that's somebody yes. I was thinking of a little bit. I mean, incredible actor. Absolutely. Whether you're a fan of his or not, like he does bring the acting chops. And he can, and he can do comedy, he can do everything, but his recent turn in Once Upon a Time in Hollywood really, really informed the fact that he can play just a serious, hardcore motherfucker that has loyalty, that has all the things you need to be Wyatt Earp. And... That was my first choice, and it was okay. my only choice. I was like, yep, he can do it. This is just so impossible, some of these castings. Um, yeah. This was one of those, is why it is just such, you know, he's the main he's the main character in this film, and there's so much Kurt Russell in that role that it's yeah. hard to really figure out how to do it, because you don't want to just have somebody doing Kurt Russell in the role. No, obviously. Because that's gross. But also, like, you want somebody that's going to be able to see what was done with the role before and take parts of that and make it their own. So a really, really good actor that has their own tone as Kurt Russell is, there's a little bit of Kurt Russell in every character that he portrays. Yeah. You want somebody that has a little bit of that as well. And this is actually an actor that was left over for when, when I was considering John Hillcote as the director for this. And he's a brilliant actor. Uh, he can play kind of a 
soft-spoken type character or bigger than life. Mm-hmm. Uh, and uh, I'm, I'm a huge fan of his, and I would love to see what Tom Hardy would do as Wyatt Earp Ooh. in that role. And then you would also get like yeah. all the women coming out to see the movie because Tom that's Hardy. true. Yeah. yeah, no, it's it's very true. Yeah, I mean, all the women would come for Brad Pitt too. True, that's true. Yeah, but no, Tom Hardy, he could handle it. Yeah, he could. Just seeing anything from I just recently rewatched Lawless. Oh, and uh, so good. It's so good, and yeah, and it just sucks you in. You become part of the movie while you're watching it. You mm-hmm. know, it just you can't play on your phone or anything because it just it fully takes every ounce of your attention when you're watching it. Oh yeah, it, it, it transports you to another time, another place. And there's this one scene specifically that it's got Guy Pierce as the slimy like enforcer dude. Yeah. And they're eyeballing each other and he's like, "Are oh, you trying to draw me, cowboy?" And it's got Tom Hardy staring him down and he's just seeing through this dude. And it's this incredibly tense scene and then he just does kind of like a sigh and then just walks away and it doesn't come off as him walking away from a fight. It comes off of him being done with the situation. Like he does, he walks away from a fight <laughs> having won it just by walking away from it. It's this beautiful moment. That's so nuanced. It's so mm-hmm. perfect. And I want to be able to see him use that kind of acting talents in this role, like to see what he would do with why it is a little bit more open and spoken person that, than he was in a uh, lawless than Tom Hardy was in lawless. Yeah, yeah, definitely. No, I think that's great. We are back for 2020's GalaxyCon happening February 28th through March 1st in the Richmond Convention Center. And uh, we've got six panels for you this time. We had five last time. We've got six for you this time. Five live recorded podcasts and a Adventures in Podcasting panel as well. The schedule goes February 28th at from 5 to 5.50. We've got the Geeks Under the Influence panel. Six to seven on Friday is Smack My Pitch Up. Saturday from 4 to 4.50 is Geek Father. And uh, 8 p.m. to 11 p.m. is Beautiful Disasters. That's going to be both showing a main feature film and then discussing it afterwards. They're going to be showing Space Truckers and then uh, showing both Space Truckers segments while talking about it and also segments of other films featuring celebrities that are at GalaxyCon. Then Sunday from 4 to 4.50 is Adventures in Podcasting where you can hear stories about our times uh, with Geeks Under the Influence doing podcasting, stories from other conventions, stories from recording, and insights, information, uh, helpful clues if, if you are interested in getting into podcasting yourself. Then, one of our newest shows, 545 to 645, is From the Mouths of Madness with my co-host from GUI, Lowdown Brown, and Fuck You, Hunter, as they discuss the favorite kills from horror movies, I believe, is their, uh, is their subject matter. So come out to the GalaxyCon and the Richmond Convention Center, February 28th to March 1st, and enjoy some Geeks Under the Influence live. It's free with uh, paid admission. Find more information at GUIPodcast.com or any of our social medias. We will see you there. So that's our uh, serious take on this. Yes. Um, our not-so-serious take, our remix. Yes. I, I don't think we need to spend as much time really getting into the nuances of the characters because this is uh, mm. this is a choice that will probably never end up happening um, and no, shouldn't. not a bit. All likelihood. Although mine... I'm interested to see my version maybe telling the OK Corral story, but not necessarily a remake of Tombstone. But right. I, I just it would be super fun to see this version. Yeah. And uh, yeah, not that it will ever happen. But um, for your plot overview for your remixed, what is your uh, tonal changes? OK, here it is. Um, 
I'm putting this in sort of a post-apocalyptic scenario. That's a big surprise coming from you. Yeah, That you went post-apocalyptic. I know. Yeah. So what I did is I set this in 2076 in uh, a post-apocalyptic situation where who knows what happened. Could be nuclear war. Could be a global famine. Could be, you know, some kind of a virus. But population has been decimated. And this is going to be set in uh, the giant ghost town, ghost city of Detroit. Okay. Okay. So it's not, you know, traditionally a Western in a little tiny, like, you know, podunk, you know, yeah. town. You know, so there's, you know, there's more space. You know, there's more, you know, crumbling infrastructure. Sure. You know, some years from now. But yeah, that's where it's set some years in the future, 25 years, whatever. Yeah. Um, the amount of time it'll take for the entire infrastructure of the United States to fall completely apart. Yeah. Well, I mean, it's it's on its way. It's on its way. Yeah. <laughs> I, I mean, you might be overshooting for 25 years. Like, yeah. It could be maybe. Like 15. Yeah. <laughs> you yeah. could go. Could be. Yeah. But uh, yeah, that's kind of where I like just drop my anchor. Okay. I was like, all right, that's where it's going to be. So that's kind of like the notion. So I, I picked the director, uh, Lee Wannell, who uh, directed Upgrade. Oh, yes. Which was fucking awesome. Epic. I saw the trailer and knew it was going to be at least some fun. Yes. But that was amazing. Very well done cyberpunk movie. Absolutely. Absolutely. Oh, uh, I want to mention very briefly, just to rewind, um, I did pick a cinematographer to go with each of the directors to kind of like, you know, uh, jump, you know, piggyback on, on my vision. Okay. So for my serious, very, very briefly, uh, Robert Richardson, who actually was the cinematographer in, uh, hateful eight once upon a time in Hollywood. Okay. Platoon, natural born killers, Django and chain. Okay. He would be my serious. He worked with Tarantino. I didn't want to pick Tarantino. It was too obvious. Yeah. Anyway. All right. Sorry for the aside. Uh, the cinematographer that I wanted to pick for uh, my non-serious with Lee Wannell is Roger Deakins, who did Blade Runner 2049. Okay. That's where I knew the name from, yeah. True Grit, Assassination of Jesse James, Oh Brother, We're Out There, Shawshank Redemption. Okay. But the biggest thing, like, obviously he's done, like, some, like, you know, Western-ish stuff, but- where I really got the focus for that, the look of this movie, the Las Vegas sequence in Blade Runner 2049. Sure. That sort of oranged out, hazy, you know, wasteland. Okay. That's kind of what I want to put over Detroit. Okay. <laughs> okay. So that that's my vision. Anyway, uh, I absolutely love... Lee Wennell's uh, Upgrade. I love that movie so so hardcore. Yeah. It is so much fun, like, as an action, like, cyberpunk movie. Fucking amazing. And also the, the choices of how the main character's body moved during that movie was brilliant. Where you saw oh, yeah. him reacting to what his body was doing with surprise when it was happening. Oh, in yeah. In such a beautiful way. If you haven't seen Upgrade, go watch it. It's awesome. Absolutely. I freaking like clapped after I saw that movie. I was 
sitting there like a little kid in a candy store, just like clapping while I'm watching the movie. Yeah. No, I had to so see it. Fun. I had to see it a second time. Yeah. Like straight up. I'll start with Wyatt Earp. Uh, this is where I kind of changed things up. Okay. Okay. I I went with um, Chiwetel Ejiofor. Okay. Okay. I'm probably mispronouncing his name. He's amazing. He was in Serenity. He was in Red Belt. 12 he's, Years a Slave. 12 Years a Slave. He's in it outstanding actor he is he can bring everything all the resonance all the drama from that wider should have the maturity everything he's got it okay boom doc holiday sam rockwell wow oh wow oh why did that's a good choice even for a serious version of it because it's sam rockwell he can oh yeah 100 deliver oh yeah yeah damn Oh, that's a good choice. He would destroy in that role. He would absolutely have so much fun in it, too. He would destroy. Absolutely destroy. Um, uh, For my Curly Bill, I actually went with Michael Keaton. Michael Keaton. I mean, all you need to know about- apocalyptic Wild Bill. All you need to know about Michael Keaton- Or Curly Bill. Yeah, sorry. Curly Bill. Yeah. Sorry. Uh, Batman, Beetlejuice, you know, his recent dramatic turns in Birdman- he can deliver. Yeah. He can deliver every element of that, you know, the sass, the sarcasm, the over-the-topness. He's got it. Okay. He can do it. I, I'm signing off on that. Yeah. Um, For my Johnny Ringo, I went with a actor named, all right, let me make sure I get this right, David Dastmalchian. Okay. Okay. Um, He is kind of a character actor uh most recently had a, a supporting role in the tv show reprisal which i've been dying to see i need to watch that yeah uh he played one of the three river phoenixes he's fucking amazing uh he was in the ant-man movies as the russian roommate okay yeah okay uh, he's been in a number of things. He was actually had a small, a very small role in Blade Runner 2049 as like the um, coroner, the the guy who got killed. Oh, by, sure. Yeah. Yeah. Anyway, very recogni- recognizable face, but his role in Reprisal completely informs this decision. Okay. He is outstanding. He is, he can play psychotic. He can play over the top. I'm all over it. Okay. So that's my Johnny Ringo. Uh, my Virgil, Virgil Earp, and this is uh, kind of gender bending here. I went with Gina Torres. Oh, I love her so much. Serenity Firefly. Yeah. Come on. Not even mad. No, what, never mind Serenity Fire, Firefly. What about Cleopatra 2020? Yes. <laughs> <laughs> She's amazing. She is so hardcore. Is it 2029? Or is it 2020? Uh, I forget. Yeah. I don't know. Yeah. No one should remember that show anyway probably but, not yeah <laughs> you know i might have to own it at one point but maybe whatever yeah uh no she's she's outstanding uh she can play wise she can play you know smooth talking what show she on now i think it's revenge that she's on now is she or or it's revenge or how to get away with murder i can't remember but yeah she's on one of those shows i don't know yeah all right so for the younger the younger brother morgan Earp, also gender bending i went with tessa thompson I uh, love her too. Valkyrie, Valkyrie. from the MCU. Well, and, and any role she's played in recent years, you know, once she really became a name, right? 
She's knocking it out of the park. Oh, dude, sorry to bother you. Oh my God, she was so good in that. Westworld. Westworld is incredible. Uh, she was in Annihilation too. She was yep. good in that. Yeah, no, she kills it. And it'd be super sad to see her die, but she'll probably have to. Yeah. Um, and then my final is uh, the Josephine Marcus, the Wyatt Earp love interest. I went with Eva Green. Eva Green, yes, uh, from Eva Penny Green. Dreadful, yes. uh, from, oh, God, a million other things. The Dreamers. Yep. Uh, yeah, no. She's just, what can I say? I mean, she's just one of those images on screen that is just iconic. Well, her gaze is haunting. It is. She, and she has a way of just like fully just needling you with her stare. She's distressingly beautiful. Yeah. Yeah, it's it's tough. <laughs> yeah. Hard life. <laughs> <laughs> Looking at Eva Green all the time. But yeah. Yeah. And uh, so that's your, your casting there. That's my casting. All right. I uh, I like that every almost every time you're on, you make it post-apocalyptic. <laughs> well, I had to this time. Yeah, no, I understand. I just, just wanted to take it out of the like the old west. It makes it a lot into easier. Into the new west. I kind of did it, a cheat as well, because yeah. that's a cheat. It's totally a cheat. Yeah. I also did a cheat. So I didn't have to worry about necessarily like the the timelines or like the races of the characters or anything like that and just do whatever the fuck I wanted to. And uh, this is set in the same time period. Okay. But I'm giving it that uh, that 300 treatment of uh, it being like highly stylized, like comic book style approach to the Tombstone story. Okay. All right. All um, right. So it basically you can cast whoever the fuck you want in these roles. It's not based in reality at all. Uh, this is just a fun comic book version of Tombstone. And I have uh, the team of Frank Miller and Robert Rodriguez coming in si reprising their oh. directing duo from Sin City to do Tombstone. Is it going to be in black and white? Um, there's going to be moments in black and white. There's going to be moments that are in that like that like yellow, like yellow haze like you were talking about. That, nice. you know, just the, the full on like colorized. Yeah. Kind of tone <laughs> with different different scenes, different parts of the world having different kind of like shades on like a soft sepia tone kind of deal. I like it. Yeah. So Frank Miller, Robert Rodriguez uh, directing a Tombstone movie. Mm -hmm. And uh, first up is Wyatt Earp. And uh, Robert Rodriguez is actually very good friends with this actor. Uh, they ride motorcycles together. And I think he would be a lot of fun in a comic book version of it. Norman Reedus as Wyatt Earp. Oh, Nice. I think it would be super fun to see what he could do there. And yeah. he's, he's, he always looks wet. <laughs> like, I don't know why he just always looks wet. And I'd be interested to see what, you know, Daryl uh, from the uh, from the Walking Dead could do in, okay. in, in, uh, right. in Tombstone. Then Virgil, I uh, wanted, you know, older actor for sure. Um, and one that maybe has seen a lot of shit. And I haven't seen what his face looks like recently with all the plastic surgery. I know the last time I saw it, it didn't look great. So we'll see what he looks like. Uh, it might be terrifying, but uh, Mickey Rourke as yes. Virgil. <laughs> yes. Um, I, I love Mickey Rourke. I am upset about his face now, but. Yeah. Yeah. It's a, it's a rough go. It is a rough go, but he's an incredible actor. I'd love to see what he could do with Virgil's character in, yeah. in the comic book sense. He just you know? had to get into boxing. Yeah. And, like, smash his face all up. Yep. Then we got Morgan. Morgan was tough. I This is an actor that has been in a lot of Robert Rodriguez films. And it, it was kind of like, yeah, I had to put him in somewhere for it to fit. And it was also kind of fuck it. You know, these are the three badasses. So you got Norman Reedus, Mickey Rourke, and Bruce Willis. 
as uh, as Morgan, uh, and because fuck ages, ages don't even matter either. Yeah, yeah whatever. Uh, as the three brothers that are bringing justice to this town, <laughs> and to help him out is Doc Holliday, mm-hmm. played by Freddie Rodriguez. Oh, what? <laughs> yes, wisecracking. Freddie Rodriguez, five <laughs> foot two, I think. Freddie Rodriguez as Doc Holliday. Nice. And okay. Then you kind of play with it a little bit that he's not one of the brothers. He's a, a friend of Wyatt's primarily that isn't necessarily trusted by the others. He's kind of a pistolero type character. And uh, and he's this tiny dude that's got a little bit of a Napoleon complex, but he's also the best shooting, rootin' tootin' shooting dude in the, in this town. <laughs> All I'm thinking of is Martin Short from fucking Three Amigos right now. <laughs> kind of, a little bit. That is kind of his role in this. Yeah. Uh, then we go on to uh, to Curly Bill, uh, where I had Ron Perlman in my serious version. For Curly Bill in the Robert Rodriguez Frank Miller version, no better than Benicio Del Toro. Yes. And that also informs the tone. Not only are we going with kind of a comic book uh, approach to this, but I also want it to be kind of an anti-hero story where you're actually kind of following the cowboys as opposed to the Earps. Nice. And it's more of like, this is a lawless town. And the only the only thing that holds it all together is the cowboys that have been there to kind of keep it in shape and prevent <laughs> it from falling apart. And then here comes these like three good old boys, you know, um, coming in trying to like put their own, their own claim to this town and they're not going to let them. And you, so the uh, the cowboys are m- mostly Mexican, <laughs> not entirely, but um, th- yeah, that are are coming in being like, "Yo, dude, what the fuck?" <laughs> like, I was actually looking at him for a curly bill option. Yeah. Then I was like, "Okay, wait, no, Michael Keaton." Yeah. Benicio <laughs> del Toro, he has so much fun with his choices for roles. The stutter from Last Jedi, or just like it, just him in general, him as the uh, collector in the Marvel movies. Dude, him and the usual suspects. Usual suspects. I'll flip you for real. <laughs> yeah, I I would love to see what he would do with Curly Bill. Oh yeah, and then helping him out, his his uh right hand man, his gunman, Johnny Ringo, of course, played by Danny Trejo. Oh, just yes. shirtless with a vest, and then just one of those flat cowboy hats. Yep, <laughs> Danny Trejo. Yep, he could do it. Oh, absolutely. I'm a Mexican, cabron, and boom, 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 boom. Done. Yep, done. And then, uh, of course, Ike Clanton uh, is uh, the whiny type or the dude that talks a big game but doesn't really do a whole lot. And uh, so I decided to pull in somebody from Robert Rodriguez's world and also one of my personal favorite uh, actors slash special effects gurus, Tom Savini, (laughs) is Ike Clanton. And fuck it. Give him the uh, sex machine... um, Gun crotch cr- uh, crotch gun crotch gun <laughs> yeah why not fuck it it's a Robert Rodriguez Frank Miller vehicle yes so no, totally and uh, yeah just do it full on just like borderline grindhouse uh, like super yes. high contrast uh, sepia toned or black and white at different scenes like yep. just go full on make it a comic book absolutely and I feel like even though this is my remix funny version. That would be a different enough approach to it that you could mm-hmm. almost get away with it, yes. because it wouldn't be even a note of the original. Absolutely. And so no, no one would claim that you're trying to like cash in on like just the name or anything like that. You're making your own thing for yes. sure. So, yeah, that's yeah. uh, that's my Frank Miller, Robert Rodriguez comic booky 
Tombstone movie. Hell yeah, yeah. Yeah, I feel like I, I, I have to quantify, like, you know, my non-serious one set in the future in this, like, sort of wasteland Detroit. You know, it's going to be kind of gang warfare, and then our good characters, the Earps yeah. and and the Doc, are there to, you know, kind of, you know, sort of take control in a sense. Yeah. You know, but it, I, I think it'd be fun. It would be Fuck super it. fun. Yeah. And I think there's room for not maybe our serious versions. That's where it goes into that, that it doesn't need to be remade really. Yeah. But our funny versions, I think there's room in the world for that interpretation. I think so. Yeah. I do. Because it's far enough away from the original. Yes. Yeah. That it's, yeah. it's not, it's giving enough distance that it's honoring the original by not trying to do the original. Absolutely. So now we've got mashups and we've got a few that we want to hit on real quick okay. before getting into our trailers. Uh, first one up is from our friend Jack, who's been on um, several of the shows on the network. Oh, yeah. Suggested we mash up Tombstone with Wild Wild West. Whoa. Yes. The uh, abysmal pseudo steampunk Western yeah, starring yeah, yeah. Uh, Will Smith. Steampunk universe. So bad that even the steampunk crowd does not adopt it. <laughs> There's... No other steampunk movies besides Steam Boy. And they're like, no, I will not take that movie. Yeah, no, it's animes and that's about it. That's about it, yeah. Yeah. Yeah, I just can't picture uh, Doc Holliday with two Gatling guns on his arms, like (laughs) steam-powered. No, what it would be is I think the Earps would be just the old-school pistol-whipping, you know, new sheriffs in town. Yeah. And- the cowboys are the ones that have all the weird contraptions that they're mm. trying to take over the town with. So they got got to use good old fashioned grit against the oncoming technology. And you could have some uh, something about like the dangers of modernization in the old west or something as some like parable. But you would have to flip the script because the cowboys would win because they have Gatling guns. Will Smith didn't have no Gatling gun. Yeah, but. He was the good guy. Yeah. So you got the White Earp and company as the good guys with no Gatling guns yeah. taking on as the underdogs, these rootin' tootin' uh, robotin' cowboys. Dudes that have an iron giant. <laughs> <laughs> Instead of saying Superman before he flies off to explode, he just says like, Clint Eastwood, and then just goes off. <laughs> They have a World War One tank, like, you know, 50 years to... <laughs> Although I would love to see Doc Holliday in a giant super mech, like steam-powered super mech, just screaming, I'm your Huckleberry! And just that would be a lot of West. fun. Yeah. That would be super fun. So yeah, uh, battle mech steampunk. That's a good uh, one. Yeah. Tombstone. Then Kron suggested, and I'm curious how we're going to do this, Jurassic Park. Okay. All I could think maybe is that they... They find the new world, and then they are trying to settle their differences amongst a bunch of dinosaurs? Maybe there's mining going on in the town for oh, the gold and stuff, and yeah. they break into like a cavernous area that has dinosaurs Yeah, the old day. Yes. And then, and then Wyatt decides to maybe create a park for, no, Virgil, <laughs> Virgil, because he's the old one, decides yeah. to make a park to like, you know, this is really put Tombstone on the map. And then chaos ensues. Yeah. Yeah, true. Because <laughs> the cowboys. The cowboys end up breaking the gates open and there's dinosaurs everywhere. Yeah. And cowboys and dinosaurs. That uh, under-earth world escapes up 
Yeah, yeah. You, you're you're forty five. Your Colt forty five is not going to do much against a freaking T Rex or a Stegosaurus. Yeah, or that. Yeah, yeah. Maybe a Compy. <laughs> you could take out a Compy with a uh, your forty five. <laughs> uh, last one is Murphy suggested that we uh, Murphy Lawless suggested we mash it up with, and this maybe your post apocalyptic is the best way to go with this Tank Girl. Yeah. Because that could be just the outside area, exactly. like like Mega City in uh, in Judge Dread, you know, yes. just like wasteland outside of the city of Detroit where your thing takes place, and that's just tanker right. land. The whole notion of like the post apocalyptic idea, you know, it's almost like a western in a lot of ways. Yeah, which is why I went with it because there's far less people for whatever reason, whether it was nuclear war or virus, whatever. We'll find out in a few years. Exactly. Yeah. We, we actually will. (laughs) We will. Yeah. You know, right now, right now, uh, a dark horse candidate is that coronavirus. That's, uh, yeah. Now beneficially called a global pandemic. It's happening. Yeah. Yeah. You know, so it goes. So that's fun. Great. Uh, yeah, no, it's, um, you know, tank girls are perfect you know, sort of allegory to that whole kind of Western thing because you had, you know, these bands of people that were localized, just like Mad Max. Mm-hmm. They were in their own place. You had warlords and you had, you know, gangs and whatnot going on. You know, it wasn't so globalized. You know, right now we have civilized cities, you know, yeah. a- as we say. You know, we have, you know, internet everywhere, etc. When all that shit falls away, it's going to be chaos. Yep. You know, and if, if you know, 90% of the, fo- uh, the population dies off, it's going to be nuts. Infrastructure is going to die. Nobody can run power. Nobody yep. can run water. You know, like, it's going to be crazy. You're, you would need someone like, I don't know, Malcolm McDowell to come in and, and get the ability to have water and power. Yes. Enslave a bunch of kangaroo men. Yes. Yes. I think that's the... Just Doc Holiday and the Kangaroo Man versus Malcolm McDowell. I would read that graphic novel <laughs> in a minute. Would. All right, get on it, IDW. <laughs> Give us God this damn right. girl tombstone crossover. What are you doing? <laughs> uh, so those are our mashups. Now we come to the point in the episode where we do our trailers. So I'm definitely doing my Frank Miller, Robert Rodriguez. So I get to do the like grindhouse voice for yes. mine. Uh, are you going to be doing your serious or your funny? I'm going to do my my uh, non-serious, my post-apocalyptic, you know, sort of situation. I, I can't, in good conscience, tr- really try to propose a serious. I completely understand. So, so let me cue up the music and we'll get the trailer started. In the near future, a band of ne'er-do-wells have found themselves in the broken-down wastelands of Detroit, a ghost town. Wyatt Jackson and his two siblings, Virginia Jackson and Morgan Jackson, are trying to make a better life for themselves. Former law enforcement or officers have come upon the scourge of a gang called the Cowboys. Curly Bill and Johnny Ringo lead this gang 
They're murderers. They're rapists. They duel. And... <laughs> they're fighting for what's right. <laughs> Wyatt Jackson, played by Chiwetel Ejiofor. His sisters, Virginia Jackson, played by Gina Torres, and Morgan Jackson, played by Tessa Thompson. Battle against Curly Bill's Michael Keaton and Johnny Ringo, played by David Desmalchian. Meanwhile, Wyatt Jackson, the love interest, played by Eva Green, they fight for what's right. Revenge. Love. Everything. <laughs> Directed by Lee Wano. Director of Upgrade. Check it out. In 2020. <laughs> Alright, yeah, kind of a risk not mentioning the name of the movie during your trailer, but uh, oh, I think it might, I might, it might uh, work out for you. <laughs> I totally forgot. That was okay. <laughs> No, you can make fun of me for that. Yeah, no, no, you're good. Um, Not that mine's going to be any better. (laughs) Tombstone. Tombstone. So, yeah. All right. So, uh, my turn to make a fool out of myself. I'm doing the uh, Frank Miller, Robert Rodriguez version of of Tombstone. Nice. Welcome to the Old West, where the only thing keeping a man from the grave is the quickness of his gun. Welcome, the Earp family, settling down in Tombstone, trying to make a new living for themselves when they come across the Cowboys. Headed up by Curly Bill, played by Benicio Del Toro, and his right-hand man, Johnny Ringo, played by Danny Trejo. The Cowboys are out for blood, and the only thing stopping them are the Earps. This summer, follow Wyatt Earp, played by Norman Reedus, and his brother Virgil, played by Mickey Rourke, and Morgan, played by Bruce Willis, as they tear up the town and take down some cowboys. Giddy up and make your way to Tombstone this summer. Okay. All right. I did the voice okay. Oh, no, no. Yours was way better than mine. (laughs) And as you mentioned... I totally fucking actually forgot to say the name of the movie, <laughs> the of the movie. in my trailer. <laughs> I think I Whoops. wish I wish some <laughs> movies would actually be ballsy enough to do that in their trailers, like coming this summer, and just not like okay, what what's the what's the movie though? What's the movie? What's the movie? Is there at least a title screen? No title screen, nothing. Oh, okay, cool. Geez. Well, I'm interested, but I guess that yeah. one movie, like oh, the one without the title, yeah, that one. Okay, that's <laughs> in theater three. Um, so yeah, that is our our trailers and our. Uh, crazy mashups and castings for our versions of tombstone yes again we're not at all suggesting it should ever be remade but if it would be remade these are some of our ideas if you have ideas hit us up at uh, our email at geeks on the influence at gmail.com uh, just put smack my pitch up in the or the subject line so we know who you're talking to on the network uh, you can hit up the voicemail or text line at 804-505-4484 that's 804-505-4gui or uh, hit us up on our social media. All the links to our social media and more is at GUIPodcast.com. Make sure to rate, review, subscribe, all the coolness, and check out the other shows on the network. We have 10 shows available on the Geeks Under the Influence Network, uh, some of which have me on it, some of which have our guest Groots on, on the yes. show. Yes! Always a good time and all very geek-centric, so check those out. 
and we'll see you next time for another episode of Smacked My Pitch Up. Thank you so much for listening, and you just got pitch smacked. GUIPodcast.com. <laughs> Thank <laughs> you.